Bayou City Fellowship, welcome. My name is Ben. You don't know me, but I go to church here. I play, uh, I play keyboards a lot, so I like to stay in the background, so I don't know how I got this job this morning. I don't work for the church, so uh, let's clear that out of the way, first of all. So if you don't like it, I, I won't be preaching next Sunday. That's, that's a good thing. Uh, I work at a real job. Really, actually, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean it that way. I actually used to work for a church, so it's, I can say that. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, what I mean is I get a real check. So for all the, all the ministry people, y'all know what I'm saying. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, verse uh, 5 through 25 today. Um, my wife and I, Ashley, we, we have attended here for the last, uh, last year. We live in the woodlands. We make the drive in a lot of two-lane roads. Now the Grand Parkway is open. But you get here in the same amount of time. But anyway, that's another, that's another story. So we, we love Bayou City Fellowship. My wife uh, leads worship from time to time. She wasn't up there today. But we just love this church. Uh, we've got three kids and a dog named Jude. And uh, so that's, that's us. And I'm, I'm just glad to be with you this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking about waiting today. And, uh, you know, Robbie already talked a little bit about it when we lit the candle. But we're in this... The season now, we've waited all year long. We're over the Thanksgiving hump. I feel like an adult, by the way, 35 years old, first time ever I had family at my house on Thanksgiving. We made it. We made, we made it through. I can, I can check that box now. <laughs> um, and so, so that's, that's, we're past that, and now we're in the final countdown stages to Christmas, and there's this waiting, there's this anticipation. And I don't, I don't do waiting well. I'm not good at waiting. I don't know about you, but there are people that, that might say they're good at it. I, I just don't believe it, especially in Houston, living in the city that we live in, living in the city that we live in with the roads that we have, city construction. Man, traffic is nuts. I don't like waiting. I've never liked waiting. Waiting's always been difficult. First time I met my wife, Ashley, I knew she was the one. I knew, you know, I've heard stories, people say that kind of thing, and I've, I just never really believed that, but that was true for me. And um, when, I, when I went to tell her that, she was a little, she was a little put off. So uh, it didn't work out the way I thought it would work out, right? So I, I did. I asked her out three times. She said no three times. Not once, not twice. Three times. And uh, just I kept waiting. I kept plugging along. Finally, we had some mutual friends, and they told her what a great guy I am. And I had nothing to do with that. I had no idea. <laughs> you know. She told you the other part of the story. I'm not going to tell you all this story. <laughs> I'm trying to get to another story. So anyway, um, after, after some, some friends told her that I was a great guy, out of sympathy and out of pity, she got my phone number and called me. And after that, I had my foot in the door. Hallelujah. The rest is history. So uh, then... I knew, you know, I'm, I'm trying to convince her and her family that I am the guy. I'm the guy for Ashley. And so six months in, you know, she's 18 years old, goes off to college, and I meet with her mom and dad to ask her, and they're here today, so this is a really awkward story to tell. It's really not that bad, because they know. They live through it. Um, anyway, so I go and meet with them, and I ask them if I can ask her to marry me, and they said No. And they should have said no. So they said, okay, here's the deal. If you do, 
you know, this, this list of things, A, B, C, one, two, three, and you come back in six months, and then uh, we'll talk. Well, I, I, that was a green light for me because what they said in my mind, what I heard that day was, you do A, B, C, one, two, three, X, Y, Z, come back, and we'll say yes. But that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. So I come back in six months. I did my budget, all the things. By the way, if you have girls and you have a, they have, they're dating and seriously talking about marriage, ask the guy for a budget. That is, man, I did some work. I think they thought that would maybe, you know, I would burn out and, and, and give up. But, man, I worked harder. I came with the budget. I came with the stuff. And, uh, and, and the second time, they said no again. I was devastated, man. They're like, listen, this is our first daughter. We got four girls. She's in college. She's going to finish. She's going to finish college, Ben. So you're just going to have to wait. You're just going to have to wait. So I had been waiting, I thought, long enough. I thought, I thought that was long enough. So like a week later, I told this story to my father-in-law. Like, you know that in the story we get married. But I told the story to him, and he forgot. But I, I will never forget this story. <laughs> So he calls me. I was a student pastor at a church. He calls me at the church. Or I'm, I, that's what I remember. And so the secretary's like, hey, uh, your, uh, Joel's on the line. Your, Ashley's, Ashley's dad's on the phone. So I pick it up. And he's like, hey, Ben, I got your note. And again, I, okay, remember, this is, this is the girl I'm going to marry. Like I've, I have jumped through hoops so far, I thought, this girl. And he says, I got your note. I did not write. Joel a note. I did not write my father-in-law a note, but I had written like a little prayer note and stuck it in my Bible and it had fallen out and somebody in the house found it and put it in his drawer. He thought it was from me. It wasn't from me. Or maybe they thought it was his note because we had similar handwriting. I don't know. But he starts to read me this, this note and I'm like, dude, I am so low. I am so uh, embarrassed. And he starts to read, I recognize exactly what it is. But the end result was it worked. The plan worked because he said that I could, I could marry her after that. That wasn't the plan. It was a complete accident. I w- I'm not that smart, I guarantee you. I'm still embarrassed like it happened yesterday. It was like 15 years ago. So waiting. Waiting is not fun. It's, it's difficult. What we're going to do today is we're going to read a story about Zachariah and Elizabeth. We're in Luke chapter 1. And they waited for a while for a promise. And we're going to talk about what they discovered, how God answered their prayer. What I want you to do is look at the screens. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to read it. Uh, if, you don't, if you do have a Bible, I want you to group up in a group of two or three. It's such a long passage, and you're going to get tired of hearing me talk. And Robbie does this, and I'm going to copy him because it's awesome. So read through verse 5 through 25, and they'll kind of slowly pass it along the screen. But read it out loud in a group of two or three, and I'll come back in just a minute, and we'll break it down verse by verse. Y'all did good. It's a lot of reading, I'm telling you. (laughs) So before I begin, I just want to pose three questions to you. I want you to write it down. I want you to take note of this and keep it in your mind as we we go through. I'm just going to break it down verse by verse, and then I've got some thoughts at the end, and we'll get on our way uh, this morning. The first question I want you to ask yourself is, what have you stopped waiting on God for? Second question, I want you to ask yourself, what have you quit believing that God will do? Number three, where in your life have you given up on God? 
So I want you to keep those questions in the forefront of your mind this morning. Let's start with with verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So like Robbie was talking about earlier, there's this 400-year time period from the last prophecy in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, and there's this waiting period for the Messiah to come. And then there's this prophecy that there's someone that's going to come and prepare the way for the Lord. And and God hasn't spoken in 400 years. No prophets come, no new word. Many people have even forgotten maybe about what that last prophet said. In addition to that, Herod is the king of the area, the king of Judea. And uh, he's the same guy who wanted to have the, uh, all the babies killed in the land, two years old and younger. Really, really bad, kind of maniacal, uh, scary guy. He built lots of buildings in, in the area. In fact, I was in Israel a couple years ago. We got to uh, walk through some of the ruins. Um, you may have heard of some of them, Caesarea by the Sea, um, Asada. He was just a brilliant engineer, but just a very, very dark, scary guy. Uh, he had 10 wives, which wasn't necessarily uh, odd in the time period, but he, he had one of them killed. That was, that was off. And then he had three of his kids killed just out of jealousy and fear. He was just a paranoid guy. So this is the time period that Zechariah and Elizabeth are living in. Verse 6, And they, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Okay, so just on this subject, um, many of you may have walked through the pain and the agony of not being able to, to have kids. It is, it's a real thing that still happens today, unfortunately, with all of medicine and all of the advancements. There's still, there's still those that aren't able to have kids. I've got my best man, uh, him and his wife, uh, for 15 years. They've been trying, haven't, haven't had any kids. And uh, they're beginning to go through the beautiful uh, process of adoption. But still, they've gone through that pain and that hurt uh, for a long time. Many of you have experienced that as well. So add to that the layer of judgment that there was in that day in Israel. It was believed that if you were barren or unable to have kids, that this was somehow God's judgment on you for some sort of sin in your life. So they were already living with this kind of hurt and pain, but then they, they got the stares and the judgment of others. So it was just kind of on another level. I can't imagine it. And in addition to that, they're old. The Bible says they're old. The way that it describes it is the same way that it describes Abraham and Sarah. And they're really old. So we're not talking like, you know, not talking like 40. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm playing. I'll be there soon, man. Five more years. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking like, you know, they're up there, you know. And they've lived this for a while, maybe 70, 80 years old. Maybe they're in their 90s. They've lived in in this pain and in this hurt and this judgment. And uh, so that's that's who they are. And they've been waiting. And you and I, we can relate, maybe in different areas in our life. uh, We can relate to that, that disappointment and just just that unsettledness of waiting. This is what John Ortberg says. It's going to be up on the screen. Waiting is not just something that we have to do. 
Until we get what we want, waiting is a part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. That's good stuff. So for you and for me, God has not forgotten you. He's with you. He's with you in the waiting. Verse 8. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he, talking about Zechariah, was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. There are, at the time, they think about 18,000 priests in the land. They live all over the place. There's a lot of guys. And in the tribe, or in the division that uh, that Zechariah was in was the division of uh, Abijah. There's probably a thousand of them, uh, commentaries, scholars believe. And so they're going to the temple. They have temple service, and they're going to go for a week, two times a year. They make this journey. And so Zechariah's done this. Over and over for, for his life, he's gone to the, to the temple to perform temple service. And one of the kind of the big shows, the big deal, if you're not the high priest that goes in once a year into the Holy of Holies, if you're, if you're a priest like Zechariah was, was to go in and burn incense. But there are so many priests, it was, it was almost impossible that all of them would be able to have the opportunity to go in and burn incense right outside the Holy of Holies. Just such a sweet kind of unique place. And that incense that burned, it represented the prayers of God's people rising up to heaven, to God, that sweet aroma. And so uh, he goes, and, in, and, and we find out that in verse 9, let's jump back, verse 8. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So it's his lucky day. They're rolling the dice, rolling the dice year after year after year. He goes and rolls the dice. No dice, except for this year. He wins, and he gets to go in, and he gets to burn incense in, in God's presence, and he's, he's excited about it. You've got the whole group of people that are there at the time of the burning of incense outside praying, and there's this anticipation, and him going inside. It's just a quick prayer, and it represents all of the prayers of all of the priests praying outside of the temple. He goes in to light the incense. And verse 11, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled and confused when he saw him and fear fell upon him. So Zechariah, he is like, what? I don't know what is going on with my day to day, but I won, the, I won the dice roll. I get inside and there's this angel there. He's freaked out. We're not talking like, a cupid little baby angel. We're talking like a big dude. He, he's freaked out. We're, we're lucky that the rest of the story even happened. Because Zachariah is an old guy. He could have just passed out in the story. He just died right there. And that's what they think happened. The people outside praying, they begin to get concerned of what's going on. So this is what the angel says to him. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Verse 13. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. That seems very odd to me. It's just like out of nowhere. What prayer? Because he's in there praying a specific prayer for a specific reason. And what the angel is actually saying is that prayer that you prayed a long, 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 long time ago for a son, I heard that prayer, and I'm here to answer that prayer today. So for you and me, the application is, man, stuff that you prayed for years ago, you may have forgotten about, God heard that prayer. God heard that prayer. That answer may not have come yet, but it might still come. We don't know. We'll see. 
So Zechariah saying, you know, what prayer? What, what prayer did you hear? Um, the interesting thing about prayer is that sometimes we assume that a no answer from the Lord means a no answer. You with me? Sometimes we think that when God doesn't speak and there's no answer, we just automatically assume that he's saying no. And we move on to the, the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But he, he may just kind of just be waiting for the right time, the right opportunity. You know, I, I don't know if I said this earlier. I work at the headquarters of Gringos, Tex-Mex, the best Tex-Mex in Texas, maybe the nation, maybe the world. You're all invited to Gringos after the service. Uh, you know, when you, when you marinate a fajita outside skirt steak, you can't do it like in, in 10 minutes, in like 30 minutes. It has to be in there for a few hours to let all the juices and all the secret ingredients that I'm not going to tell you, like soak up in there. If, if, you, if you don't let it wait long enough, you don't get the desired result. The same is true for you and me. Sometimes we want the instant stuff and it's just not, it's not ready yet. We got to let it sit a little while. So he's in there, he's freaking out, and this is what the angel says, don't be afraid. Uh, Your prayer's been heard. Elizabeth is going to bear a son for you. Verse 14, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn away He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Okay, now let's go in our Bibles to Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. Last book of the Old Testament. Let's go left before Matthew Chapter 4, verse 5. Go past the maps. Lots of maps. Behold, here it says, chapter 4, verse 5. Remember, 400 years before, Zechariah and Gabriel are in the temple. Malachi prophesies, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Okay, so, so Zechariah is being told by Gabriel that they're in their old age, that he's going to answer their prayer. It's amazing. But not only are you going to have a baby, but this baby is going to be a prophet. And this prophet is not just going to be a prophet, but it's going to be the most important prophet the prophet that goes and paves the way before Jesus, before he comes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Zechariah and what he's thinking, what he's, what he's feeling. This is insane. This is crazy. Wait till I tell Elizabeth. He's getting psyched. Maybe not. He might be thinking, this is nuts. Are you serious? I don't want a baby. He's thinking, are you kidding me? It's amazing the stuff that we pray for sometimes. And then when God answers it, we're like surprised, isn't it? It happens to me all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, like, wow, he, he answered my prayer. That's, but that's the faith that we've got to have, the faith that we need to have, that he hears our prayer, that he answers prayer. And it may not happen in our timing, but it happens. 
may not happen the way that we want it to happen, but he, he hears us. Verse 19, the angel answered him. I'm sorry, let's go back. Verse 18, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Zechariah's like, are you kidding me? I'm old. My wife, she is really old. <laughs> That's what it says. She's an old lady, man. How is this going to happen? We are out of practice. Verse 19, the angel said, angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Gabriel's like, dude, Zechariah, listen. You won the dice roll. You're in here with an altar of incense, this prayer that you've been praying a long time ago. God told me, an angel that stands before the Lord, to come down to you right here, right now, and tell you that I've got the answer to your prayer that you prayed a long time ago. And Zachariah's like, can you show me a sign? <laughs> I'm not, I need a sign. And so Gabriel says, okay, I'll show you a sign. Verse 20, behold, you'll be unable to speak until the day these things take place. <laughs> Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. He shut his mouth. He said, shut up, dude. <laughs> I'll show you. Verse 21, and the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. Like I said, they think maybe this guy, he is dead. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. No idea what that must have felt like for her. Something she'd been praying for for a long, long time. Reproach. Just that stain that people just judged her, that there was something wrong or hidden in her life, some sin. Had nothing to do with that. And she said, praise God that he's taken this from me. She's given me a son. I don't know why, he, why she went away for five months. Maybe she was, you know, preparing. Maybe she was just spending time with the Lord. No idea. It doesn't say. But she goes away and praises him. Uh, just some quick summary thoughts on this whole thing is that, you know, God said he was going uh, to uh, answer their prayer, and he did. He spoke through Gabriel. And even though Zechariah didn't believe, that didn't, stop, that didn't stop God. And even though some of us have stopped believing, that, that may not stop him. It's probably not going to stop him. And so there's some stuff that you might be waiting on and you, you, don't, you don't see the, the, the fruit of. And it, it's confusing. You know, you read like passages of scriptures uh, that we all like. They're great screensavers. But they're, they're hard in the hard, the hard time. Like Romans 828, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that. You know, sometimes it doesn't seem like that. You're walking through something really tough, really painful. I can think of something I walked through a year, year and a half ago, two years ago, that was so painful. This verse, it didn't seem right. It didn't, didn't feel like God was working all things together for for my good? You know, you think about, you know, you get a, maybe have a loved one that passes away. All things work together for good? It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't seem like it. Maybe you've been betrayed. Um, maybe your marriage has fallen apart. Maybe your kids don't want to have anything to do with you. Maybe 
you lost a job and can't find one. It doesn't feel like all things are working together for my good. In the moment, it doesn't seem like it. But the, the truth is, it is true. And that's the faith that we have to have. That's the faith that he's building. Because the thing is, is that God allows you and me to go through certain circumstances in life, painful, hurtful things. He lets us go through it. He loves us enough to let us go through some really hard stuff because he knows that the stuff that he lets us walk through that's painful and agonizing, it produces a fruit and a depth that we would not get any other way. There's just no other way around it. You can go the easy route and kind of skip over some stuff and be a really shallow believer, or you, you just that's the path to growth is the hard stuff. So the truth is, is that, yes, God does work all things together for good. He is in every detail of our life, everything that comes, every joy, every sorrow, every detail. And we have to have the, a deep conviction that every moment comes uh, from God's hands into our life for your good, for your good. Even though it doesn't feel like it, doesn't look like it, doesn't seem like it, it's for your good. So, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we're waiting. We're waiting for, for Christmas to, to be here. We're waiting for God to answer some prayers. We're waiting for God to move in our life. We might be walking through some tough stuff. What does, what does this have to do with anything? And so I, wanna, I want you to jot down just four, five, six things as I, as I close here. When we look at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist and Gabriel and all the stuff that's going on, and we look at our life, the application, the things that we want, I want you to walk away with today. Number one, never assume that any hardship, pain, or suffering that you go through is due to sin. It's, it's just something that I think we all just naturally think, oh, man, there must be some sin in my life. Maybe there is, you know. You confess that and move on, but... Most of the time, we just, we just live in a, in a messed up, broken world. And so just don't assume that the stuff you're going through or the absence of hearing God's voice in the, in the, the quiet place when you're waiting on him and it just doesn't seem like you're, you're getting anywhere, don't assume it's because of sin in your life. The next thing is, number two, what you're walking through isn't a sign that God has forgotten about you or has broken his promise. It's easy to think, man, I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone. Because you feel alone, you may not be alone. You're not alone. He's with you. He also has these promises, Romans 8, 28, or, you know, like, he who began a good work will complete it. Well, that's the truth. It may not feel like it right now, but he's gonna complete it. Number three, God doesn't spell out the why. He just wants us to trust him. Last one I want to leave with you is, uh, I said it earlier, no answer isn't necessarily a no answer. So let's go back to those questions that I posed to you at the beginning. Uh, what have you stopped waiting on God for? Maybe it was something that came to mind instantly when I said it, you're, you knew right away, man, I gave up on X or Y or Z. And it may be small, it may be big, it may be trivial in your mind, but God cares about it. Number two, what have you quit believing that God will do in your life? Number three, where in your life have you given up on God? Let's just take a minute, just in quiet, reflect. And-
allow the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you this morning about that and get that in your mind. What have you just kind of given up on God for in your life that he, he's reminding you today? Lord, would you remind us where our faith might be short? And then next, let's ask the Lord together. Jesus, how do you want me to respond to this? It may be a simple thing like he just wants you to, uh, to just confess it to him and to trust him for, for this, or he may want you to actually do something. Don't discount his voice. It's really easy to, uh, to just dismiss his voice because some of the stuff he says, it's like, it just doesn't, it's not believable, but... It's the truth. The enemy's voice is it's very, very slippery because he takes little true things and, and, and twists them around, expands them, makes them feel true, and, and they're not. They're just lies. So, Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus, how do you want me to respond to this today? And just go and do it. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Spirit, we love you. Father, we love you. Thank you for your holy word. Thank you for what you're doing in us. Thank you that you do allow us to walk through tough stuff in life, to grow us and develop us, to get us mature, to get us deep with you. Thank you for that. And I pray that we would uh, see those difficulties, the waiting, stress, as your grace to us. Let us really look at it like that. Would you change our focus? Put our eyes on you, God. We love you. We surrender to you today. In Christ's name, amen.